0: Welcome to Improv Beat by Beat. I'm Curtis Rutherford. I interviewed a whole bunch of different improvisers and then edited together chunks of those interviews to investigate different aspects of improv, one piece at a time. This is episode 24 The Spokane, aka The Pretty Flower. This episode is about a specific form which is known by many different names. The Spokane, the Delicate Flower, the Pretty Flower, the Gizmo, the Delicate Little Flower, the Gadget, the squeeze box, the Family Guy, and probably other names that I'm missing. It's become the improv soda pop coke debate where what you call it says a bit about where you do improv and what theaters you trained at. Here in New York City, there were several years, around 2010 to 2014-ish, when suddenly every indie group started doing this form. It replaced the La as the standard, we're a new team with a show and we need a form to do. With that ubiquity came a backlash, with people on both sides making big claims about whether it is a great form or a terrible one. I see the points of both sides, and I also think, like any form, the important thing is what you get from it. So in this episode, we'll go into what makes a great Spokane slash pretty flower and what can make it a great fit for your team or why it may not be. First up is Sebastian Canelli with the counter argument. I'd asked him about cliches in improv. What are some cliches that you are tired of seeing in improv? Well, I fucking
1: hate the Spokane. I, I, I'm coaching 20 groups that do it right now. Everybody just picks it by default. I think everyone does it kind of wrong. Yeah. I don't know. I think everyone has like a different idea of how to do it, and I think it just it, it it leans on like lazy play. I think people go, "Oh, that water slide was the longest water slide I've ever been on," and then they cut to it, and it's just a person yelling, "Yeah!" Ah! Right yeah. for a little bit, and then they cut back. I think it like takes away from like good improv.
0: Because they're not doing either side that well. They're no. not really exploring that idea. They're not honoring, hey, this is the longest slide in the world. Let's see the world in which this one slide is the longest. Yes. And let me see everything about that. No. And then they're not really, one person said that, nobody ended that idea. So they're not building that idea together as well as they could in the source scene because they're instantly cutting away.
1: Of course. well, And I'm always like, um, so I'm coaching teams now. I think I'm getting better at, like, attacking this. And it is more of the idea of, like, this is a scene that we're doing. It should be grounded, something that we could return to where we're noticing other people's behaviors. You seem like this. You are like this. And then the person justifying it and then using that as, like, all of a sudden as, like, almost a, a, an opening or, like, a moment that we're pulling from, mm-hmm. right, to play games. Because I think in the best-case scenario, Spokane is, like, showing off the two skills that we were talking about before, about being able to play slow and, like, a rich, grounded scene while still playing game hard and fast. Yeah. Right? But I I don't think – I think maybe in my mind that would be the ideal. But nobody plays it like that.
0: It becomes rather than a – Clearly delineated hot and cold, it's like one tepid, warm mixture. Yes. Of, oh, you're playing your source scene too fast. You're playing the tag outs too slow. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I think that it should be we find a, a game and then we explore it fast and hard in those, in, in those tags or in that run that we're doing or even if it's just one scene. We, tag, we go to one scene. Great. Let's hit that f- five times. Let's hit yes. it five times super hard and go back because that's what's going to be impressive we could switch gear so fast. But nobody... I think it is like a a super advanced form that can be done by like people that aren't as advanced. And they're not getting much scene work skills out of it.
0: That was Sebastian Canelli. The rest of what he had to say about cliches he's sick of is in episode 19, Clichés and Gaps. So, a bad pretty flower is bad. Just really bad. But, of course... So is a bad herald, so is a bad montage, so is any bad improv. So the key is to focus on how the form can help and how it can keep from being one goopy mess of a boring source scene and sloppy spokes that go out to nowhere. Here to talk about why he likes the spokane. Okay, I'm gonna pause for a second. The na- the 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 pronunciation spokane really bugs the hell out of me. The city is called Spokane. It's Spokane, Washington. Nobody says Spokane, Washington. That's like a weird East coast thing. The same way people say Oregon. It makes no sense. It's bad. The town is Spokane, but we call this form, the Spokane or the pretty flower, the delicate little flower, the family guy or whatever it is. Anyways, here to talk about why he likes that form is Jake Cornell. Why do you, like doing the Spokane because it kind of beca- has become for a while like the default like oh we want to do something that's not the Herald or the Montage yeah. and everybody does the Spokane and they often do kind of a lazy shitty version of it which is one of the reasons that I've been asking people about it
2: I love it because I love mono scenes I really love mono scenes but I think a lot of people don't because I think there are different kinds of players. I love, like, building a scene, building characters, like, really. I would improvise, like, a dramatic thing and not get an entire laugh. And, like, I mean, Poha, like, we cry on stage and, yeah, like, yeah. die. Like, so it's, yeah. like, I don't I don't need laughs, like, on stage. I love, like, the building a world, so I love like that in a mono scene. Like, oh, we have 25 minutes to build this thing out. But then like like on my team, there are on promises, there are people who like really love playing like fast and hard. So in In a Spokane, you get both. Right. And it's fun because I think it keeps the mono scene alive. Because if something insane happens or someone says something insane, we can leave the world to explore it. And when we come back to the mono scene, the stakes and, like, the tension of that mono scene have stayed the same, Mm -hmm. which really lets you build... I think that, like, I found... Or in the Spokane's that I've done that I've felt the most successful, we've built the tension and the stakes in the source scene more so than I've ever been able... We've ever been able to do in a mono scene that I've been on a team with because it's kind of, like, you get to keep the mono scene pure and the insanity you get to save for the spokes. So, like, by the end, I find that, like... I think my favorite part is like those last three minutes of the Spokane when you're probably not tagging out anymore and you're really just like in it. It's like, wow, this is so rich because we had all of these tags that explored these characters. So even though like this scene didn't include it, the audience and the players have seen so many aspects of these characters and the story and like the context. Right. It's like watching a mono scene where you've already seen like three seasons of the TV show up until then. And so you like know the backstory of the characters and you like know like the history in theory or like more about the world. So it just feels like those last like three or four minutes of a Spokane when it's done the way I love it feels so rich that it's like, wow, you can really nail a landing and you're really kind of cooking with gas. And there's a lot of a lot of like really rich storytelling, and really rich character to play with at that that moment in time.
0: That was Jake Cornell. Now, to get into the mechanics of the Spokane slash Pretty Flower, here is Patrick Noth. His indie team, Gadget, did the form for quite a while, and Patrick later taught advanced study performance classes based on the form. Here is Patrick. So the first thing I wanted to talk to you about is the form of many names. Yes. The gizmo. The gadget. The gadget. The gadget, yeah. I prefer the gadget. I was really trying to push
3: for the gadget for a while, and then everybody got upset about it. And I was like, look... I know that it's my team. I know that's like an arrogant move. But at the same time, it's a better name. It's truly yeah. a better name than Spokane, Delicate Little Flower, uh, you know, uh, Family Guy, you yeah. know, uh, Sweet Little Flower with petals. I mean, come on. I, you listen, uh, the gadget. It's, I like the
0: gadget. Yeah. Family Guy, I feel like, is evocative in the worst way. Yeah. Like, I can often explain it like, okay, it's... Yes. This is a bad version, but the family guy of like, uh oh, yes. somebody just lit a pie on fire, and <laughs> right. then you cut to the pie on fire. <laughs> Spokane <laughs> bothers me because it's a mispronunciation of the town of the city, Spokane. Yes. Which bugs the hell out of me as somebody from Washington State. Um, is it just a mispronunciation of the of the name? I think so. Because it's like somebody like it's like Spoke. Right. But then I think somebody just mispronounced the name and you know I and listen I'm not
3: trying to be an asshole piece of shit here but those names suck right The gadget is a good name and it's also like feels like correct it's like a sprocket you know sure. you think of a sprocket you envision that it kind of makes sense you know maybe it's too robotic though It does
0: have a little bit of the aspect, Uh, maybe like Swiss army knife or something like that's not quite it, but like something about the gadget has the aspect of things pointing off from it.
3: Yes. Before you leave, we're going to fucking figure this shit out. We're going to get the best name possible. Uh, What else does that? The fidget spinner? (laughs) (laughs) The fidget spinner. (laughs) What a dated name. We're going to call it the dab. (laughs) Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to do a fidget spinner. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what else? Uh, uh, like what else looks like that? Let's see. Um, what's the fucking thing in like a nuclear plant? <laughs> the the, the, fucking- the
0: centrifuge.
3: Yeah, the, the centrif- cyclotron. Oh, that's good. Centrifuge is yeah. good. See, I don't. I'm not pushing for gadget because I'm an arrogant piece of shit. I'm pushing for gadget because centrifuge, something like that. You mm-hmm. know, centrifuge is great. I would call it the centrifuge in a heartbeat. Perfect. Yeah.
0: Done. We fixed it. Okay. So we're talking about the centrifuge. So yeah. So the centrifuge. Tell me. So first off. What do you love about that form? Oh man. Well, I love
3: narrative. When I was watching those Ruru sets, you know, those mono scenes that we mm-hmm. came up watching and, and, and those Ruben Williams sets, they were so satisfying. And so I think the for me, like the the reason behind it is like to be able to accomplish both that, but also like following the fun and having a good time and playing game really fast, because you're gonna get it's an indie form kind of right. It's like you f you're gonna get a fifteen-minute show. You're not going to be able to do an entire mono scene necessarily. And then I'll say another thing about it is that I really like is it allows you, if you do it correct in my opinion, or if you do it the way I like to do it, I shouldn't say correct, is it allows you to slow down and play grounded or, you know, genre or something like that. And then it allows you to like break out from that and go fucking bananas. You know, so it's, it's, and it's hard to balance that. I think that's like something that also is a completely separate skill is to be, is to know how to slow down and speed up. I'm not great at it either. You know, I, I, once I'm sped up, it's hard for me to slow back down, baby, baby. Listen, (laughs) do you mind if I call you baby during this? Yeah, that's fine. Okay.
0: Most people do. Cool. 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 Uh, Baby or hun hun. Hun hun. What, so what is the correct form then of, what is the correct version well, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say that. I Or I'm, the I'm Patrick Nothman.
3: Yeah, it. yeah, I yeah. So I what I like is a grounded source scene. There should be some chairs out there. There should be a clear space. The space should be defined fairly quickly. And that doesn't mean like you have to do it in a wonky way, but your team should all be on the same page about like, we're going to define this space fairly quickly so that we all like kind of know. And frankly, like a lot of those sets the audience will forgive you if it's a little clunky, right? Mm-hmm. You remember that one uh, Ruru set where Gavin stepped out and he put a chair out and he goes, FBI! <laughs> do you remember that? Oh. It's like so funny, but it's like, yeah, what? why not? Because- and do you want
0: chairs out there in the hub scene to help define that space?
3: Yes, because I think... You know, you want to ideally when you're doing a set, you want it to communicate to an outside audience. And one way to do that in that form is to when you sweep back into it. So I do like I do, you know, you tag out of it and then you do tags and then you sweep back into it and then you set the chairs back up. And even if it's just a chair that's no one's using, Mm -hmm. you know, we're at a, uh, you know, we're ice fishing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh there's chairs there uh, we're in a uh, space station we're floating through space we're floating through space in a space station and there's just a chair floating so you get one of your teammates to hold the chair up the whole set and sort of spin it
0: slowly. So then as soon as we as the audience see that chair and as soon as the improviser see that chair, we know we're back in the hub. Yes. Both because you've swept rather than tagged yes. and we see chair or chairs. So this we're, we know we're back in that space. And
3: ideally maybe somebody's on stage doing object work Like, you know, say somebody's lifting a weight. Then when we, when we sweep back into it, if you just do that again, the audience is going to lock in immediately, but it's important to do that thing because, or else it's like, especially when you're doing fast tag runs, like gadget used to do a lot of like, not necessarily playing one game, but like maybe playing one game, blowing it out a little bit, but then following like almost like a Mm -hmm. type of cutaways, you know, which is super fun, but then also sweeping back and making that scene important. Not making it like you know the worst version of it is we're four chairs in a semicircle and we're just like yeah dude um, yeah so Curtis um, like I, you got a motorcycle right it's like yeah I got a motorcycle but it's made of spaghetti and then like we go see that or whatever you know it should feel organic the 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 tag the tag runs should feel organic in in the form and sometimes when you get lost in that form they're not going to it's almost like it's so important the first few minutes of it giving yourself time to breathe in that source scene and not being in a hurry. So important. Giving yourself maybe a hint of genre, maybe an indication very early on of what story we're telling. Um, Because I think that's important. And honestly, I, I do, I feel very strongly that like game, you know, game is great. And and I love to play game and uh, you know, It's essentially what we're talking about is comedic ideas, right? uh, Taking a comedic idea and playing around with it. But I think like narrative resonates with more people than I mean nobody watches sketch, Mm -hmm. you know? Like very few people like are like oh let's you know they they're super into watching sketch. And if people watch SNL, it's like oh a celebrity's going to be on SNL or whatever. For the most part, that's the only reason it's a long-running show is because they're celebrities. Yeah, you know. So but like narrative, everybody fucking watches narrative stuff. I mean, do you watch sketch when you go home? How much sketch do you watch? I mean, there's not a lot. No, I'll
0: yeah. watch like a sketch or two on YouTube, isolated yes. from everything else. Yes,
3: but not the whole show. No, yeah, because you know you're going to get the best one. Also, like it's like what one in ten. Yeah, <laughs> it's like one in ten is good. Also, um, I spent all of high
0: school watching sketch. I, yes. I feel like it's
3: yeah. wait. What what's your favorite? Um, what's your favorite like sketch show or Mr. Show? Mr. Which show also
0: kind of like made it molded it into closer to a narrative Narrative. where it's like sketch bleeding into sketch bleeding into sketch yes
3: and it's fine and it's like almost existing in a world i feel strongly that you know i start when i started doing musical improv very recently and this is going to sound annoying but you get standing ovations all the time and i know part of that is like the music looks like magic Mm -hmm. and stuff but also narrative is very satisfying to an audience you know so I love that form for that reason, because you can play around with narrative. And yeah. I think that's so fun. For me, that's so fun.
0: It is. Almost any standing ovation I've seen at an improv show, it's always been narrative. Yep. It was like Code Duellos, improvised Shakespeare. Yep. It's, it's uh, musical. It's anything like that. It doesn't really make sense why we're trying to
3: like emulate sketch, because it's because less people watch sketch, and there's comedic ideas or game in fucking a comedy, period, mm-hmm. you know? So I think, like, if you can do both, I think maybe the reason that it's taught the way it's taught is because, you know, if you're telling – or if you're, you know, teaching off the bat, hey, you can – you know, we should have a plot or whatever. There should be a 3X structure. Like, it's going to be a disaster. Yeah. You know, but after a while, I think – after you get the hang of, like, living, you know, in two characters, one unusual or whatever, peas in a pod, then you can kind of plant that in and plug that in right to a – Uh, narrative.
0: Yeah. Learning that kind of sketch style of improv helps get those like training wheels down and is very fun to do and fun to see in like that 15 minute form or that kind of thing. Yes. And then so the cyclotron gadget gizmo centrifuge centrifuge the gadget helps kind of blend that into more of like oh you're still doing that sketch jokey thing where you get to like tag 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 run yeah but then you get to settle back in to whatever that yeah, hub scene is, that genre scene or whatever.
3: Yeah, let it breathe or like whatever. You know, one of the problems with doing narrative that I think I come across a lot if I'm coaching this forum is status. Like it's really hard to, it's really hard to get information out and sit in a single location when somebody has like really high status or if somebody has really low status. Like it's hard to, it's hard to not just be in the plot. Yeah. So I think, one thing that i've i sort of coached to is like if you're in that scene you know that's why you have people start out and you say okay just everyone be equal status and you know that's mm-hmm. that's where we'll start but eventually i think you should be able to have different statuses but understand that like i'm going to empathize with this person with lower status be, or else i'm going to get the fuck out of the scene
0: yeah you know it's like in the mono scene if one character has a very clear game Early on in mono scenes, people are just like hitting that game every single time, every and it needs to just like take a breath. Yes, this I always go back to the Simpsons for that. Of like, watch the Simpsons and see how often. Okay, when Bart is unusual, Homer isn't going to be the dumbest guy alive. He's going to react to Bart, and Marge is going to react to Bart, and then when Marge does something they're all reacting to to yeah.
3: to Marge. It's a rotating straight man. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's like, and that's what uh, also happens in narrative, you yeah. know? It's like, ideally, everybody's got their thing. And honestly, that reflects more of what we're going to hopefully do when we book things or write things, you know? It's going to be more character, like, not, you know, I don't want to get in trouble with all the different schools of thought because I don't give a shit about any of them, but like, you know, like a character game is what we would call it. Like. Yeah. So, you know, like um, like Ben Rogers was somebody who would just always have like in mm-hmm. those Reuben Williams mono scenes, he would just have always, he would always establish a character game very early just by making a choice and then justifying it. And he was so good at waiting. He was so good at waiting to hit it again. And it lands so
0: fucking hard when yeah. you wait. Because it was just the equivalent of him throwing it up that much higher and then all of us just waiting for that to land even harder and farther along in the show. Yes.
3: What was the? Uh, did you see the show where he told long meandering stories and they always ended with I think him getting a blowjob. No. But they were like they were just or maybe he giving a blowjob. I don't remember, but it was such a funny game because you even though you knew it was coming, he was so good at just like talking about a story that was completely unrelated to a blowjob.
0: What are these?
3: So that's a skill for you folks at home. You got to get good Talk at, talking, at blow talking about a story that doesn't seem like it's going to go to blowjob. And then you wind up at blowjob and everyone's like, whoa, that's crazy. And I want to say something else about the gadget uh, <laughs> idea that, uh, you know, a lot of people got offended. Uh, listen, what are you about, married offend- to? Wait, offended about the name? Yeah, because I call an ASP. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, Shannon said, you know, um, you can't fucking name... Your ASP after a team you were on, okay. But the team is long, was long gone, and I was trying to like be like, oh, this is, and also, distant had a class called Squeeze Box, yeah. Well, but Squeeze Box was a name he
0: made up for it, yeah. For the for the for the for the, the, the same thing, yes. <laughs> for the centrifuge, um, which that one I didn't like, or, or the term I didn't like because it's a weird term. It's a weird term. It's not a term that we use in America no. at all. What what is it? What's a squeeze? I think it's box. like an accordion.
3: Oh, and it's a it's a term for the accordion. I think so, what, like a caveman term. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the squeeze box.
3: Primitive. Oh, he has squeeze box.
0: They would build them from deer <laughs> stomachs.
3: Um, oh, oh, the overtones! You can hear the overtones with squeeze box. So yeah, it that was that was a caveman with an accordion. Classic, classic game. Yeah, and then Character right now game. we would cut cut back to back the seat. Yep. here right. we go. Bam, boom! Oh, you know what? It also reflects just, you know, hanging out and being authentic with each other, but then doing, you know, getting off on side tasks, yeah. you know? So I, I love
0: that form. I love it. Yeah. What are some common notes you find giving to teams or people who are doing that form?
3: Just be very clear about establishing a reality that you can come in and out of in that source scene where you can exist with people that you know. And the status thing also Mm -hmm. leave. You know, you can you can leave. No, I I just tell them to leave the room. (laughs) That's one thing that I do um, with a new team is I say, okay, you want to do you want to do the gadget, walk out of the room, never come back, and then I smoke a joint. No, I am just but no, yeah, that status thing in the source scene is always makes it really hard. I think I I like to work on genre like stuff in
0: that source scene because it then the cutaways tend to be more organic. So you mentioned I'll, this earlier with like the spaghetti motorcycle type thing. Of yes. Like, so then you're discovering something unusual, right? That contrasts with the genre or the base, rather than yeah. And it doesn't feel like we.
3: <laughs> it doesn't feel like we were like, and you know, and uh, the chicken had two heads and yeah. talked like Barbara Streisand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's inventive, and it, inventive shit always feels f- off. Yeah. You know, it always feels off. You can see it. It's a panic. It's it's a sign that you're not confident on stage. I mean, I do think like some people, some people will add information that's crazy, but they can they can get away with it. Like there's certain people who are fucking just so funny that they can do it and it doesn't feel inventive at all.
0: And some people it's just, it'll be so bizarre, but it's real for them. It's yeah. just like, their brain thinks, well, everybody has a ch- two-headed chicken with Barbara Streisand, yes. that talks like Barbara Streisand, Yeah. And you don't see them saying that and thinking what's a funny thing right. and then
3: saying it. But it's not inauthentic to their mm-hmm. personality. It's just who they are. Um, and they're just adding funny information or you could tell it came from their gut. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I think when it, if I can, if I'm an audience member and I think you're pushing, it's just like a conversation. If you're trying to be funny in a conversation or at a dinner party or whatever, you're never going to be funny. You know, yep. if you're just living there uh, and having fun and you're a funny, you know, person or whatever, you'll, you know, that you're a lot more likely to land a joke, baby. And then after you land a joke, you go, you take a sip of gravy and you go, hey,
0: <laughs> catch you on the train. And then yep. you walk out. The gravy train. The gravy train. The gravy did. train. Yep. There, there's no better way to not be funny than trying to be funny. Yes. Which is so true. in like any conversation, it's like, I want to impress you. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. It, it's it's brutal. Yeah.
3: And also there's people who do it so consistently that they just don't even necessarily like they don't, you know, get confronted about it.
0: Yeah. It's the <laughs> if you knew Michael Scott as an actual person, yeah. you would ha- absolutely hate him. Yes. Because that's that's all that character does. Right. That was Patrick Noth. That part about not being inventive in the source scene is a really good lesson for all of improv. If you're trying too hard to be funny in any scene, grasping too hard for the game, then you end up stifling what's funny about a scene. Especially in organic scenes, add information, react naturally, and there will always be something fun to either develop into a game, or if you're doing a gizmo slash centrifuge slash pointy guy, to turn into a tag run. Up next is Maritza Montañez. A bit of background info for this one. Maritza will mention a three-hander, which is just a mono scene with three people. Each person trades off giving gifts to the one of the other two. Gavin Spieler taught a class on it here in New York for a while. We also talk about the breakup, which is a form created by Nicole Dressbell and Chris Scott. That is a modified form of the Spokane. The source scene in this case is always a breakup. So it's always two people and the show begins and ends with about three to four minutes of just that source scene, that breakup. Speaking of Chris Scott, I mentioned his improv newsletter, It's Only a Suggestion, at the end of the last episode. But as they've continued to come out, they've continued to be incredible. They're nice, focused weekly letters about, say, how to have a good argument in an improv scene, including exercises to use, and so on. It's at tinyletter.com slash C.A. Scott. If you like this podcast, there's a good chance you'll love his newsletter. Anyway. Maritza and I were talking about the notes she gives frequently, which turned into a discussion on the Spokane.
4: I tend to give notes that are about clarity a lot of the time, mm-hmm. where it's just like, oh, if you your character thinks something, say it. Uh, if you, they, If you know information about the scene... Or if you think you know information about the scene. Because obviously you don't know information until it's been said. (laughs) Uh, Or that's not obvious, I guess. Uh, A lot of times we just are like, great, we know we're in a kitchen. And then it's like there was no reason to believe that everyone knew. So things about clarity I think are important just because... I think especially right now teaching 101, I'm like, oh, so much is just about that. So a lot of notes about like what is our base reality. And I think similarly especially for teams doing heralds or anything, I think with teams that are doing spokanes and stuff like that, I am like, go to your base reality. I think especially, more recently I've felt this coaching teams doing spokanes and slackers, where I'm like, when you do a tag, I still want to see the base reality. Mm-hmm. I, I've noticed, I think it, this came from like noticing something that I was doing where I was like, oh, if, when I'm in a form that is, that is like structured around tags and tag runs and things... I've noticed that I'm not in it as much, yeah,, uh, and part of it is that I want to see some of it is tentativeness, and some of it, I think is also just like, oh, I want to see more of this scene because I don't feel like I know what's happening yet. Right. I want like I want the base reality to be pretty much there, uh, so if it's like a tag run, just like get that information out pretty quickly, and then I guess the flip side of that is like let people have reactions
0: so yeah, it is a tag run heavy form, which does mm-hmm. support certain types of play and that kind of thing. So let's say you're working with a team. They're like, we want to work on this. Mm -hmm. What are some of your like big overall notes? And then what are some exercises you work on, you use to work on different pieces of it?
4: I think with a team doing a Spokane overall notes that I think about are things like, I mean, in that, in that core scene, I'm like, I want there to be, I want us to know why we're seeing this scene. I think, other people have said, like, oh, it's not that you want it to be high stakes. It's just that, like, what what's today? Right. <laughs> like, what's going on in this scene? Why does it matter? There there used to be the breakup, both the ASP and then the, the show at UCB. Uh, and that's, like, a version of the Spokane that made me like that form. Because yeah. before that, I didn't like it. <laughs> I was like, this is, I don't understand this form. <laughs> like, not I don't understand it. I was like, I get it. It's fine. I don't understand why this is any better than any other form. Yeah. Because often
0: it was just like, oh, we're watching this vanilla scene. Yeah. And then randomly we tag out to everybody's having sex with dolphins for some reason. And then (laughs) we're back. And yeah.
4: Yeah. And I didn't like that. And I think I still don't. (laughs) Um, Strangely enough. Uh, But I was like, oh, I want that core scene to be something that we're excited to come back to. I think Mm -hmm. that's a, a way I phrased it recently with someone. I was like, oh, that's what it is. I just want us to be excited to come back to it instead of treating it like it's a scene that we are just using for fodder for tag runs. Because that happens sometimes where you just get people sort of laying up things in that Mm -hmm. way that happens so much in Spokane's and Slackers where it's like, well, remember yesterday when Grandma fell? Um, Which is like, one, no, that's not, that's never the thing and don't ever (laughs) just cut to Grandma falling for no reason. Why is that happening? But also, it's like oh, you're just trying to think of ways to get out of this scene. Yes. Uh, and I think in any form, I don't want that. <laughs> I'm like, I want you to enjoy the scene you're in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then just tag because you're excited to see something. Right. <laughs> so that's that part of it. And then I think within the tags, I'm like, oh, I really want, I mean, that thing again of like, be excited about whatever scene you're in, whether it's a tag off of the Spokane or coming back to the core thing. And I think the slightly different one is like, when you've had these tags, let the information that you've developed or found come back into the, the Spokane mm. and into the core scene in whatever way is like organic. Obviously, it's not all going to come back, but just like remember that that has been said, Right. which sometimes I'd like to make teams do. This isn't even really an exercise, so much as forcing them to do a form, but I like to do three-hander mm-hmm. monoscenes with teams doing Spokanes just to be like, okay, let's see how you embody a gift as soon as it's been given to you. Also, I like for the gifts to be sort of labels. Often about like, what have you, what did you see about this person's character? Yeah. What is a gift that is in line with that? As opposed to just like slapping on an extra gift, yeah, <laughs> um, which is fun too. Like, I think if if it were doing a, a three hander for the sake of performing them, I would say like, yeah, I have a variety of types of gifts. Sure. But when it's for that, I'm like, oh, I want to see how you do that, and I want you to practice like noticing what's happening and then letting it continue to be true. Because
0: mm-hmm. the audience you know. also gets such a thrill seeing that same thing of like, oh, we thought there was something weird about this guy. And then you labeled exactly, or and really kind of like made that exist of like, oh, he was speaking a little bit high status. You then made him the person who started the chess club that yes. or whatever, like that little twist.
4: Yeah, because a lot of the times, uh, it's like there is something to this character already. Mm-hmm. It's so funny when someone has like a great, like a character that feels like there is something there uh, and maybe they've even accidentally like gifted themselves uh, and then they walk out and someone's like well did you hear that they ate cockatoo for breakfast and it's like (laughs) why but they already had something why didn't you just run with what they had (laughs) or if you're gonna make them have this wild thing then like how does it have anything to do with <laughs> <Yes>. anything else <laughs> um yeah <laughs> but um but so that's that's something i think about a lot it's just like oh yeah. the audience already saw something yeah <laughs> don't take that away from them right. <laughs> that's such an aggressive like Way to say that. Right. Um,
0: they have so little. How could yeah. you take this from them?
4: The thing is, this is all about, like, <laughs> just redeeming, I don't know, Yeah. <laughs> things for the audience. <laughs> it's very high stakes, improv shows. <sighs> but, yeah. I, oh, another thing. I mean, this is slightly different. With Spokane's, I look out for this. I guess in any form I look out for this. But, like, with Spokane's, I want there to be different types of tags. Mm. Uh, like, I want the tags to... To not all be the same thing, of like, oh, we're cutting to something you just alluded to. Right. Those are fine. I think the only reason I ever have had beef with that kind of tag is because a lot of the times it's like, that's the only kind we're seeing. If you're tagging to like put this character in a different place, I feel like that counts as a different type of tag. Right. If you're. So it's
0: not that like she said, like, oh, I just ate cockatoo or whatever. <laughs> it's just that like, oh, there's something whatever about this character. I think it would be funny to see her as a surgeon or whatever. Yes. Yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah. Being like the the way that in a Herald you have different types of second beats. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I think I want variety in those tags. And I think similarly, the way that in a Herald you'd have, like, game uh, group games that are different types of group games, I also – ideally, I think, especially if a team is advanced enough, I'm like, ideally you're allowed to do that in your Spokane tag runs. Right. I haven't seen it a lot, but I've very occasionally seen teams do like a Spokane where one of their tags is like presentational. I'm like, that's so fun. Yeah. (laughs) Like why? There's no reason that's not allowed. It's just like... I think we assume things when we're in a form. Mm -hmm.
0: And especially when we find information about the world that's unusual, that can be a very fun way of like, oh, great. We found out that there's mouthwash that tastes (laughs) like meat. Let's see that commercial or whatever it is. Yes,
4: exactly. I think I, that's something I didn't think about until I was on an indie team that I think Alex Dixon coached. And she noticed, I think with the time we were doing like a sort of close quarters Mm -hmm. type show where, our our form was basically like, it's essentially a montage, but it's all within some sort of macro location. And we were finding that oftentimes, the, the, the sets that we were doing were like, oh, this is all revolving around some event. And oftentimes, we're getting to that event in the final scene. And I think it was just that over the course of a practice, several of the events were like shows. It was like, everyone's preparing for this concert. Everyone's preparing for this, like, recital or right. whatever. And so we would do the show as the last scene. And it was like, Oh yeah, why not? This yeah. is fun. Um, as long as you commit to it and really try and perform the show. right? <laughs> it's like, this is. Very fun. So I I think just like letting yourself be creative in those tags, yeah, which is hard sometimes. I think for that, I haven't found like a specific exercise, but it's fun to sort of be like, great, we're gonna do for this Spokane. We're gonna do tags that are all trying to do like this challenge. Maybe it's like trying to make it tags that are exploring someone's like character game, something like that. Mm
0: -hmm. In the same way that like, oh, you're working on group games. Let's do all. Presentational group games, let's do all organic. Yeah, Just, like, forcing that, yeah.
4: hmm uh, And then afterward being like, but in your shows, do whatever you want. <laughs> right. Whatever you want. I just want you to remember that these are options and ideally mix it up.
0: That was Maritza. Remember that in the same way that you can do the tag runs in different forms of scenes, this is just a framework. And a lot of this is going to change coach to coach, team to team, as necessary. So now with more on how he likes to do the form is Jake Cornell.
2: So I think the biggest thing is I think it's really important to, to make choices at the top of the source scene. I want stakes and I want characters that are specific and care about something. The best ones that promises did were like really like big choices at the top that we then all really embodied and committed to. So that there was something like rich happening in the source scene. Um, And at the same time, not going insane. Like, I don't need... We don't need, like, three huge, big laughs at the top of a a source scene. We need it to, like, keep the audience engaged so that we can come back to it and it matters and we care. And then we can shoot off to these really crazy spokes, come back to this
0: thing. Because so often when coming back to that source scene, it is, like, like you can feel the improvisers, like, settle into it of, like, okay, now we're going back to the boring part. And that is, like, it's so hard
2: that any... I think like when the Herald is at its worst or when the Spokane is at its worst, it feels like you're constantly regressing back to something you don't want to go back to mm-hmm. where it should just feel like forward momentum that we like are so invested in. And it's funny because we would talk about like as a team, we'd be like, oh, like let's make really grounded choices at the top. So we have that rich source scene. And then like Stacy Hayashi initiated one. Like the first, uh, her first move, she walked out to start the source scene and her character was The Day Wednesday. <laughs> and we were like, and it was like, and she came and, and I think me, because I still have bad habits somewhere, my bones like panicked for two seconds. And then I was like, wait, but it's Stacy, And no one plays, no one plays more committed than Stacy, So even though she's playing The Day Wednesday, it's a person, it's a character, it's a right. thing to react to. And then because I, my team is great and I love them, everyone, became a day of the week, but that day of the week was a person with a rich thing. And we created stakes. And even though it existed in this insane world, it was eight characters, uh, seven days of the week and the Angel Gabriel. Okay, so an <laughs> um that cared and had like an investment. And so it was able to play. And so it's not about it's not about playing a in a universe or a reality that looks real, but it's like it's playing characters that feel real. Like right. real people. Even if you're playing a day of the week or a unicorn that has a lizard tail. It just has to have like the soul of it has to feel like a human that the audience cares about. Cause you have to convince the audience. The whole 99% of the battle is convincing the audience that they're not watching something like watching comedians fuck around on stage. Right. They need to believe they're watching something that matters.
0: So having that like interesting ideas and like committing in the source scene, mm-hmm. I guess interesting ideas are, is not the way, but like uh, making decisions. Is just like you don't it. have it be,
2: eight people to kind of being like, Oh, like whatever. Like, I don't know, like what's going on, like not making choices. Like let's have a specific thing that's happening. Yes.
0: Yeah. I did the three-hander with like Matt Denny and John Purcell Mm -hmm. and we were a three-person team and we just ran a bunch of them in a row just to figure out like, what do we like and not like? Right. And one of the big things we realized very quickly was if we started off sitting down, we hated the mono scene after. But if we just started standing up, it forced us to do that, like that, something, anything to like, we're doing an action now.
2: You just have to have, yeah, the the energy has to be something real. And if it's the three of you sitting there the, to make it feel like, like how often are people sitting down in a high stakes situation right, exactly. <laughs> outside of like a courtroom? Yes. And if they're great, I mean, that's hard to do with three people, but.
0: But you have to like, then it's, it's that inertia. It's like you're, you're, you have to then work yes. your way back up into that. So then what about uh, finding those spokes, finding those like things that you run off of?
2: A great note. I remember, Kate Sisk telling me that her team got it when they were doing Spokane's. If someone says something really crazy or has a clear game, tag them to where they're the hero, not the problem. Ooh. So like if someone loves to eat toilet paper, right. <laughs> like don't take them to the place where it's bad that they eat toilet paper. Take them to the place where like there was a toilet paper spill and we need to like right. get it. You know what I mean? Like yes. that, like so we can see because we don't need to live in the spoke for that long. Let's see the place where we can blow it out the most and that's probably going to be where they're celebrated the most and then we can come back.
0: And that behavior was already probably, like, pointed out as unusual in the hub. We don't need, then, to go into a spoke and somebody else going, that's
2: weird. Yeah, and on that note, that's another thing I'll tell teams a lot, is don't make the tag a lateral move. Like, if we're going to be able to do it in the scene, then we probably don't need to tag out to it. If we're going to tag out to it, heighten it or make it, like, put it in a context where we can, like, utilize it more. Because there's two, I think there's two kind of tags. There's one where, like, clearly something has been, like, framed as a game and now we're going to tag and blow it out. Or there's... Like a weird thing that's been said or an interesting thing that we need to tag to to like explore mm-hmm. and I think with that it's like okay then put it in a new context where we can explore it like more in depth instead of just like the same situation it's already in and I think the, the thing I'm wary of in a Spokane is tagging to like pimp it, is there a bit more PC word than pimping yet? Um, Have we like replaced it?
0: I've re- I've replaced it in my head uh, with demanding. Pimp is terrible, but I it's like, feel
2: like, bad every time I say it. But it's a very specific thing that
0: happens, and so it's like because you want to give gifts, right? A gift is like, oh, yeah. I'm offering you something. A demand is, you are going to do that dance to yes. uh, Les Mis right now, right. aren't you? Yeah, oh, yeah. you were like, I'm demanding that you do something yeah. rather than oh, you, uh, you're the president of a bank. Yeah. That doesn't force you to do anything other than to say, yeah, I am. Yeah.
2: Right. I think sometimes what happens in a spoken is people will not, um, if something in the source scene hasn't been, like if a character hasn't made a choice yet so we know who they are yet, I think sometimes we'll, people will think, oh, let's tag them and pull them somewhere to then like kind of demand that they have an right. ad- identity yet. And it's like, wait, give them a second in the scene to like figure this out or yeah. like make their choices. If you on a tag do that, there's so little context to like have them figure out who their character is and what's going on. It can make for a lot of problems.
4: (laughs) Right.
0: And also monocene styled or Mm -hmm. treating that like hub, like that monocene, it's then easier to float an easy offer to them and then let the entire group build that into something rather than just like tag. Oh, here you are in penguin land. You were going to fuck penguins or whatever it is. Yeah.
2: I also think, yeah, don't feel a rush to get into the mono scene. If there are three people on stage for that spine mm-hmm. scene, and you're an eight person team, I think those three people can be there for the first few minutes and like yeah. really define what's happening. And I think then when we do get the walk ons of the rest of the people into the, the source scene, they're going to be so much richer. Right. And also, you want people on the back line to be keeping their eye out for tags. Yeah. So like, if you everyone's in the scene, it's going to be a little bit harder to like jump in and get that tag because we're like in the scene.
0: Right. That was Jake. The last three interviews in this episode are all with people who did the Spokane or do the Spokane with their indie teams and why they chose that form. First up is Kelsey Bailey, whose three-person team, Future Wives, does the Spokane. What about that form do you think spoke to you three?
5: Um, I think the beauty of uh, Spokane is we had to have... A grounded sourcing. It was literally forcing us to do something grounded and for us to be like a little bit like, okay, like focus in on this. Let's have our sourcing, let's have it somewhere that's Base reality is believable. It's not, we don't come out too quick from the hip like with a crazy, like, we're cowboys in space. Right. Because like, where do you even go with that? You know, like where do you even tag to? So I think it forced us to be grounded, but then we could still mention the crazy stuff and then tag to see it. And mm-hmm. I think that's in our tags is where we really have it's obviously where we have the most fun and like we've had tags that have lasted almost the entire show just because it's it's so fun to just sort of follow the crazy cuz mm-hmm. we have endless crazy so i think it just corralled us into being grounded for a little bit but still the promise of like that we can go crazy it and did. i think it's it worked more than we tried to do montages or not montages mono scenes we were like oh no we can't nah. yeah <laughs> <laughs> no
0: yeah cuz giving that base reality mm-hmm. you get so much more to like jump away from yes. and and that stands like in yeah. higher contrast yeah
5: and you know that you could say something like oh yeah this well that was like the time i got sucked down a toilet and like oh here we go we know what we're going to see like it's it's very easy
0: i feel like a lot of people a lot of groups will do that form as kind of a default without mm-hmm. really having a reason so i like that it there like that is a very good yeah. reason yeah. to then do that we needed
5: it yeah for sure and i think like A lot of people are like, oh, we do a spokane because we're crazy. And then I watch and I'm like, y'all ain't crazy. Like, it's just like, I'm like, you guys could be doing, you could do any form you want. Like, I don't know. I think that it's, it takes a certain type of dynamic for a team to like truly be able to do it.
0: Because it has to be, you you have big ands. So you have those crazy spokes that you want to travel. And it has to be everybody is adept and is listening closely Mm -hmm. enough to like, that is exactly the direction that yes. spoke is pointing.
5: Yes. And you also have to be completely on board. You can't mm. like go into a spoke and then like negate it because then you're like, okay. Yeah. Back to the source scene. I hate like, it's like two seconds of a spoke and then we go back. I'm just like, all right, well, and that it's was always, a wasted opportunity. It's always
0: such a sad trudge back to yeah, that. Yeah, it's like, mic. okay. okay.
5: Um, but I think, do you do the breakup show? Or I've do done you? it a yeah. couple times. Yeah, So it's like, that's kind of like the same thing I mean this is in the, the guise of like a breakup but like seeing like a really grounded breakup mm-hmm. something very serious and then just see like very fun tags is, yeah. it's just such a really wonderful phone room
0: yeah I love anything where it has that kind of like pendulum swing yeah. back and forth and you get to do that juxtaposition yes. of very yeah. grounded and then yeah that's nuts. why I
5: was so jazzed when like Uh, essentially Sleuth started doing Spokane's Uh for our Herald on the Run shows and for our cage (laughs) match that we lost. uh, We did a form I loved, but audiences clearly didn't because they didn't vote for
0: us. (laughs) That was Kelsey. By the way, if you have an improv festival, invite future wives and get Kelsey to teach some workshops. Trust me. Up next is Jesse Lee, whose team Tesla, which had six to eight people, depending on what period we're talking about, hosted their own show and did the Spokane. I think you guys were the first team I saw do the like delicate flower, squeeze box, spokane, mm-hmm. spokane, whatever. From.
6: Yeah. I remember that I don't I think we we maybe had one practice where Distin was like, Oh yeah, we should do this opening. And then we tried it and then it worked. I think we tried to do mono scenes for a while and mm-hmm. then mono we I think we didn't like doing monocene. This is when Ruru was like crushing on their monocene yeah. run, so we were like I think maybe we were trying to get in on that. But I, f- I feel like our- Tesla's natural strength was, like, the, the cutaway, right? Like, the t- yeah. the tags, fun tags, and, like, taking places, taking ideas and scenes to fun places. So I think that was, like, a naturally good form for us. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. At the time, I don't think a ton of teams were doing it, so that's why yeah. we are like, oh, we should try try doing something like this. But, but it I- wasn't like a coach
0: brought it to you? It was just like
6: Sean from within was just like, yeah. we're doing this? Well, I think, like... I, actually- I remember Sean be- pushing it a lot. I actually don't remember if it was him who who was pushing it, like, mm-hmm. who, who, like, established that we should do that. I think we just tried it and liked it. I mean, that team was all about just, like, fun stuff, right? Like, we, we wanted to make things fun. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't fun, we didn't want to do it because we were already putting so much work into doing the show. So, yeah. and for us, like, putting the work in and organizing a show was fun. So yeah. I think that's probably why we ended up doing that show anyway. So. Right.
0: That was Jesse Lee. Finally, here is Lindsay Calloran. We had been talking about her 2Prov team with Kiki Mickelson. Do you remember why you guys started doing that?
7: I think we had just seen it before. This Mm -hmm. was like 2012, and it was like very popular in the indie scene at that point. People were doing it all the time. Um, It was very popular, I think, for two prof teams to do at that point. Um, And we had seen it, and we wanted to do it. And Ryan Haney coached us for like a year at my apartment in Washington Heights because he lived, I guess, in Harlem. And he would come to our apartment and to my apartment and coach us there. And we just asked him to teach it to us, and he did. and, And we just found that it was really... Really kind of stroking both sides of our brains or what we liked because it was like on the one hand you could have this like narrative which is this spine scene um this sore scene that feels kind of like narrative and we would always give it high stakes and be like in the middle of like uh something really uh important or crucial and then you would get these like really gamey little bites out of the cutaways and so it was just really fun and fast-paced and really just like worked for us and both mm-hmm. of our kinds of comedy and how our brains worked.
0: If you were coaching a group and you are having them do that
7: form. I tell them don't. Really? How come? <laughs> well, it's so funny because I feel like, I feel like, first of all, and we've talked about this a little mm-hmm. bit on Fluffy. Like, I feel like t- if you're a team and you're working on, I mean, Fluffy's. You guys are also wonderful, and it's a different story when you're on a Herald team, and you've all been doing it for a long time. But I find that like students will email me, and they'll be like, "We're working on Spokane. Um, we're in 401," and I'm like, "Don't, don't." I feel like don't, and maybe that's shitty, but I feel like why don't you just? It's so joyful, also, and fun to just work on scene work, and I yeah. guarantee you, it will serve you a lot more right now because you're never going to get out of like. In the UCB core curriculum, you take 32 classes. And in those 32 classes, that's like one through four, 32 classes. Mm-hmm. And in those 32 classes, you do like probably 20 minutes each of like actual improv, you know, where you're like actually in a scene, you know, it's not enough to be right. good. And so to keep working on like scene work and fundamentals, as opposed to like trying to think about this form, because usually nine out of 10 times when I get there, it's like, they're really struggling with basic scene work, right? Which, I, which of course they are. It's yeah. very hard. It's very hard to get good at scene work. I do feel like two people can work on spokane and that's why I love doing it with Kiki. I feel like it's a really good place for you to just build trust and like and it comes back to like how I learned so much on tour. There was only four of us and we had to push ourselves. And so like doing a spokane with one other person that you really love and trust, or like a two person mono scene or something, it's like great. I love that. I think that's wonderful. It was some of the most fulfilling uh, improv I ever did in my life up until, you know, when I got on Lloyd.
0: That was Lindsay. Although those were three very different teams, they all chose to work on the Spokane slash Pretty Flower slash Big Hand slash look at all the tags for similar reasons. To ground themselves in the source scene and then go crazy in the tags. It can be a very fun form, but because it can seem so unformed, it in some ways takes more discipline. You have to be conscious of how you're changing the energy with each tag. There are very defined reasons to tag and to sweep. You only tag someone to start or continue a spoke, or pedal, and you only sweep out at the scene by running in front of the scene to return to the original source hub scene. Some people love this form, and some people hate it. There's an old episode of The Critic with Siskel and Ebert, and in a flashback, a guy asks a young Siskel and Ebert for a movie review. Ebert says, I hated it. And Siskel says, I loved it. And the guy says, thanks, boys. You've been of absolutely no help. I worry that sometimes with so many different opinions, this podcast can be that. Thanks, improvisers. You've been of absolutely no help. But there are some basic things that came up across all the interviews. Things like, Make sure that the source scene is grounded and real, with a clear stage picture. Add information and texture to the scene so that you'll enjoy returning to it each time. Really listen up top. Don't be in a rush to get to the fun. Don't invent or force tag runs. Let the tag runs be runs. You're not just going for one joke. Build on those spokes the same way you would build on successive beats of a herald. Beyond that, there are many other things you can do. Each tag back to the source scene can be a jump forward in time or a heightening in emotion now that we have more information about the characters or world that we're in. The tags, like Maritza mentioned, can be different types of tags, setting up scenes in ways other than just, uh, hey there, weird guy, don't do that thing we know you do in this location I just put us in. The most common thing I see when I coach this form is doing parts of it out of obligation, which is always the worst reason to do improv. There's a source scene, nobody tags for far too long, and then somebody realizes that they need a tag because it's a Spokane, and so they tag to just a random spot. And no one is sure why they're in the Spoke because there wasn't anything super funny in the hub scene to react to, and so half the team is confused what they're supposed to do in this scene, and then eventually somebody sweeps... Then they return to the hub scene and everybody kind of trudges back to that source scene. And everyone's quiet for like 10 seconds. And then someone goes, oh, hey, uh, remember that time you spilled marbles? And then the cycle continues. But it can be a very rewarding form if, like any improv, you focus on having the most fun with the parts of the scenes that should be fun. Really enjoy that source scene. See how real you can make each character. Really enjoy those spokes or petals, those chances to go places with that character or idea that you wouldn't be able to do in a mono scene. That was episode 24, The Spokane, a.k.a. The Pretty Flower. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes, and if you have any feedback for me, please send it to improv at CurtisRutherford.com. C-U-R-T-I-S-R-E-T-H-E-R-F-O-R-D.com. Also, if you want to support me and help pay for the hosting costs of this podcast, you can do so via my Patreon. Patreon.com slash actuallycurtis. Thank you so much to everyone who has done so, and thanks to everyone who is part of this episode.
3: Sebastian Canelli, Jake Cornell, Patrick North.
4: I'm Ritza Montanez, Kelsey Bailey.
0: Hi, I'm Jesse Lee.
7: I'm Lindsay Calloran. And I'm
0: Curtis Rutherford.